Ladies and gentlemen, all rise. Court is back in session. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. I am your crackly-voiced host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is a man who is so metal, he doesn't even need to play a real guitar at his concerts. He just makes one out of cardboard. Mr. Drew Celestino. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what you can do with uh, cardboard, a little imagination, and, and a Nintendo Switch. And $70. <laughs> we'll get hey. there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here we are back again, folks. Thank you very much for joining us. I apologize for the way my voice sounds. There's been a slight cold going around my family, and I am the latest recipient of it. It's not too bad as far as, like, you know, seasonal stuff goes. Just, you know, throat congestion. But when you talk on a podcast, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, uh, my laryngitis from a couple weeks ago agrees with you. Yes. It was no fun. No. Well, let's get to it. Opening statement, sir. How was your week? Uh, it's been A-OK. Um, I wouldn't say anything too over-the-top eventful has happened. Um, some usual flair kind of stuff. Uh, Rick flair? What's left of them was on Raw last night on the 25th anniversary show. I saw some highlights from that on on the YouTube. There weren't that many, so you know you could. Yeah, it didn't seem to like really be a lot. What they're yeah look they, look they brought out the general managers, which is fine. But if you're going to do that, can you give them something to do besides you know smile and wave? And Eric Bischoff especially like. And I okay. saw that they brought out, like, the female legends. Oh, you which, mean the divas, not necessarily the female legends. Which is which is all well and good. Yeah, the ones, no, from, the ones from the bad era, where it was really, really terrible for a long, long time. No Lita? Yeah, how about that, huh? Was that, is, there, is she on the outs? I mean, I she get... She was working for them, like, I, like, a few months ago. I get no Sonny. I get now, that. You could uh, argue that they are saving Lita for a possible special appearance in the Women's Royal Rumble on Sunday, and they uh, don't want to spoil the surprise. But gotcha. at the same time, yeah. the omission is, you know, the omission. It was uh, very lame. And I'm also really, really over DX and their overstated importance. I did think it was cool that they had it in the original location yeah it was cool that was cool you know who didn't think it was cool who? the people there do you know why because nothing nothing was... happened those people paid four hundred dollars or more to be there oh. and all they did was like three segments in that space while the show was happening at barclays Ooh. and they only had like two tvs in the whole building to show them the show that was happening at barclays oh that's messed up yeah they're not happy fans are not happy and and, you're not a fan dx i was when they were young and it was fun. Now they're old guys trying to be... Look yeah. at me pointing at my crotch. And yeah. I'm 50-some years old. Gotta say, though, really happy to see how good Razor Ramon is looking. His name is Scott Hall, and yeah, he's, he's okay. Oh, yeah. He's, he's Compared to what he was. He's much better off than he was, yes. Yeah. You know what I don't like to see, though? What? I don't like to see DX, this gang of guys in their 50s, put themselves over yet again... Over an up and coming team that they 
H specifically built up in NXT. Hi, we're the Revival. Oh, we matter. Nope, you're squashed. Sorry. You're a goober. Anyone that was, I had a guy in my office today ask me what, you know, what I thought about the show and I brought, I brought that up and he's like, dude, I didn't even know who those guys were. And based on the show last night, I guess I'm not supposed to care. And I'm like, no, they're really good. The, the revival's really, really good. They're great wrestlers. But yeah, um, we got to put 50, 55 year old, uh, 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 Shawn Michaels and, and H over again. We got to, we got to make them look good. So screw you future. Yay. Old guys. <laughs> and this is not the first time they've done that. That uh, what what's the what's the point of that? I would simply come back to you say, why are you still watching? Why are you still watching? Because the first it all comes back to first, why are you still watching? Because the first thirty minutes of the show were <laughs> actually great. Because the first thirty minutes was was Vince and Shane and Austin, and it was awesome. Okay, so moments like that can sometimes make you go like. Oh, it's gonna be okay. Nope, it's not. In fact, here, let me show you something real quick. I have it on my phone. This is an audio medium, but I'm gonna show Carl here, and we'll meet, we'll tweet this out later. Here's a uh, here's something that I found amusing today, and I think you'll appreciate this because this this explains my whole state of being. Okay, so it's a triangle diagram. Uh, in the middle is the WWE logo. Uh, <laughs> it's a triangle diagram in that there are arrows pointing in each direction. It's a flow chart. Uh, I get my hopes up. I get disappointed. I start to believe again. Repeat. And the cycle repeats itself. Yes. Yeah, we can throw that that's, on Twitter. That's, that's why, Carl. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> so th- the cycle continues. So that was Monday night. That was Monday night. Um, working backwards, uh, Sunday, I watched um, the first football game, um, which did not go very well. But then again, it wasn't going to go very well either way for me. So really, it was just a matter of which team that I loathe and despise was going to get to the Super Bowl. And the, one of them did. So I was amused by people who thought the Jacksonville was going to win that game. They could have won that game. No, they couldn't have. Sure they could have. No, they couldn't have. They absolutely could have. If Tom Brady stopped having a pulse and Bill Belichick had a massive brain aneurysm halftime, maybe. They were behind in that game, and they were behind until a yep. good point in the fourth quarter when it they could have put that game away, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. They should have. They yep. didn't. I've seen this story before. That was a winnable game by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they completely tank-jobbed it because, of course, they did. They did. They did kind of play not to lose. You can't really play no. that way. Up. Nope. Stay aggressive. Nope. So you know. Anyway, yeah. The Demon Spawn Patriots are back in the Super Bowl, and the entire world outside of the immediate New England area is uh, Eagles fan for a day. So, and that pains me because I hate the Eagles and Philadelphia as a whole. But do you, you hate know, the Eagles or just their fans? I hate the Eagles, man. What's wrong with the Eagles? You're missing the Lebowski reference, but that's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, the Philadelphia fans are pretty. Oh, yeah, they're they're the horrible. worst in sports. You I could think. you can easily say the two worst fan bases in football are in the Super Bowl. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a that. Yep. Yep. Can't dispute that. Cowboy fan is bad, but no, not as bad as Eagle fan or or Pat, yeah. or Pats fan. Not any. Yeah. That, yeah. It's pretty bad. It's a dark timeline. I'm personally rooting for the asteroid to strike the building, <laughs> but we'll see. 
Um, Saturday had some long, cold, dark action going on. Um, and I'm, oh, we did something else on Saturday. and uh, Oh, we had an uh, impromptu fun uh, evening out at Fuji Grill with some friends. Cool. Yeah. Oh, man, I love me some hibachi. It's hard to go wrong. Do you know why hibachi is so awesome? Why is that? Because everything is made with butter and garlic and lots of it. <laughs> it's really delicious. <laughs> when you can see how the sauce is made, that's how the sauce is made. <laughs> yeah. Pound yeah. of butter, put the rice on there. <clears throat> like, oh, look at these vegetables. They're going to be really good. Yeah, yeah. Pound of butter, <laughs> toss them around. <laughs> yeah. But excellent. Very excellent. Um, you know, game night. Uh Game night, game night had a bit of a snag. Yeah, it happens. That's okay. Yeah. I'm I'm a big advocate of not trying to learn a new game on a game night. Learn the game first and then teach it to others. If if we don't motto. learn the game on game night, it's never going to get learned. I Every new game I bring, I learn it first and then teach it. I can't learn it without playing it. Yeah, you can kind of work it through for yourself i mean everyone's different that's fine but i mean yeah i guess the instruction booklet for that what was that game called again uh little circus or something like that yeah yeah we got we got to work some kinks out on that one well i'll, ch- I'll look on the interwebs and see what uh what's being said about it because i'm willing to bet that we weren't the first ones that got kind of caught up in the indecipherable rule book so yeah whatever uh, i started playing wolfenstein as well this week wolfenstein 2 that is I have thoughts. Okay. It's a very highly rated game. Very, you know, big pedigree. Oh, a couple hours into it. And I did enjoy the first one for the most part. But I also played the first one before Doom came out. Okay. I'm living in a post-Doom existence now. <laughs> and I just actually got done playing my second playthrough of Doom on the Switch. I don't like Wolfenstein anymore. <laughs> It's it it's 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 good in that you know it has high production value. It does things you know it. It seems to be much more story driven, less way more story action. driven, and it's got oh it's got action. But the problem is, it's more like does it have action or does it have like Doom level action? It has action, not Doom level action. Yeah. <laughs> so whereas Doom is just like balls to the wall. Run and gun, or or else. Wolfenstein's like you. It's you got to find cover. Stealth is usually preferred. I die a lot in this game, and I'm not having fun. Well, it's kind of hard to downshift in a genre like that to do yeah. one after another. You kind of went from Mad Max Fury Road to Driving Miss Daisy, kinda. And that's a that's a rough transition. But like you know, Wolfenstein and Doom are like you know. Historically, anyway, it's 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 peanut butter and jelly. Like, oh yeah, and I'm not feeling it here. But original Wolfenstein's weren't super story driven. It was just yeah. You know, right. Doom is essentially a reskinned Wolfenstein with more enemies. Uh, sort of, yeah. You know, it wasn't until recently Wolfenstein went heavy in the story. Yeah, true. So it all depends on what I think. Maybe if you had put a buffer in between Doom and, <laughs> and Wolfenstein, you might have enjoyed it a little bit more. I'm gonna keep at it, and I'll I'm sure it'll kind of click with me. But I'm just you know I, I you know what actually I think has happened to me in a way. A lot of the games I've played over the last few years have been very uh, uh, gameplay driven 
and experience driven versus story plot driven. And I think I'm at a point now where I'm like, and this could change. You know, if they put out a, a good Mass Effect game down the road, I'll be all in again. But I think I'm at a point now where I spare me your melodrama, spare me your your elaborate plot that you wrote for the game because you couldn't hack it in Hollywood or whatever. Eh, I want to play a game. I don't want to watch a game. I, I that's just that's just me. That's just where I'm at right now. Yeah, and there's. I get why, and I do think that there is something to the rise of video games as a business from where we, where it was when we grew up. There's definitely a correlation between the rise of the game and also the rise of cinematic experiences in games, which kind of relegated gameplay to a more secondary function and also made games a lot easier in a lot of instances as well. I want to play the game. I, I'd rather play it than watch it and then have bouts in between watching it where I get to do stuff and then watch more. Yeah. So that's no, just... I can I see what you're saying. I think there's a place for both. There, there um, is. No, there is. I, I think it's all in what you're currently in the mood for. Sure. So Right now, I need game. I, I want to play. Yeah. I think I think you just maybe just downshifted a little too, too fiercely. I suppose. But in any case, uh it's just an interesting dichotomy and I it's it's a it's a really interesting uh it it just consider again considering what the the games are, Doom, Wolfenstein. Yeah. Here's one, here's the other. They're Compare. The, they're the same it's but like, not. Oh, but not at all. It, yeah. it's it's quite the uh two sides of the same coin and all those two sides are very very different from yeah. each other so the blueprints are the same the execution is vastly different vastly so we'll see i'll i'm gonna keep at it and uh you know we'll get there we'll get there i'm not gonna just you know hate on it but just up front again it's got high production values graphics are great sound is great control is great because it's, the story bad no but i'm also not very far into the story yet so okay. we'll see where it kind of goes but again like I don't know. I'm just not in the mood for a story right now. I, I I don't know. I'm in the mood to like play a game and and kill Nazis and stuff, which you get to do. Yeah. But you get to do that with a lot of like. There's points where you're you're just you get to an area, and there's a time cued point where uh, B J Blasiewicz or whatever his name is like monologues to himself while you're playing, and it's and it's all real sappy and like down driven, like oh Caroline. I failed you, Caroline. I can only go on for so much longer. I'm like, come on, sweet, man. I don't care. Caroline. Yeah, I, I hate to, you know, I know someone out there is like, but it's so dramatic and well told and it's very heavy. Look, I, fine. I just want to shoot Nazis. I don't yeah. need the melodrama. <laughs> yeah. That's all. I like about Doom. The first, like, 30 seconds of the game, you wake up and the, 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 there's a computer panel and the voice starts talking to you, trying to, like, I'm the introductory story. I think if we blah, 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 you should really seek out this. And then the Doom guy grabs the screen and throws it away <laughs> and then just starts yep. marching towards the guns. Y- yes. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. I'm going to I'm going to keep playing. It, it'll be all right. So anyway, without belaboring things too much, that's roughly the weeks. Uh, how about you? Um, relatively uneventful week. We had game night Friday night. Um, we did, however, fail to neglect the after the 
the false start, if you will, of the circus game. We did yeah. get some other games. We did, we did. You know, we did King of Tokyo, which is classic. Classic. Um, and then we did Knoxford again. Mm-hmm. And a much, much better. Drastically different experience yeah. with Knoxford this time. Yeah, I'm really, really enjoying that game. That's a fun one. Yep. Um, so then Saturday was the X-Wing tournament in which the Devils do uh, sponsored a pop bonus prize, the hey. Funko Pops. How, how'd we do? I went two and two. Okay. Um, I didn't place, but I'm perfectly happy with how I did because the organizer of the tournament, James, is a really good guy, really a uh, great organizer in the local community. Um, he kind of set the tournament up. He's like, hey, you know, it's a... There's like, you know, monthly tournaments like this are typically tournaments you just do more fun builds with. You don't do necessarily like high meta or super competitive builds. You just try out some different stuff. Um, And he put out there that like the most, he was having a contest for the most interesting build would get its entry feedback. So I brought what I thought was a really fun build. And the two matches I lost were to people who brought like high meta ultra competitive lists. So I was like, I'm I'm fine with that. So yeah, it was a good time. But how did we do as sponsors? As my everyone was very grateful for the pops and I think we're gonna be I got some of our stuff kicking around at home that we can help out with for, you know, X Wing tournaments in the future. And we're gonna be sponsoring some other tournament stuff coming up. Um, not so much in X-Wing, but in other arenas, uh, and that's going to be announced uh, coming soon, okay. so to speak. We're going to have some guests on the show, and we're going to be doing some fun things. Um, but yeah, the tournament was a lot of fun. Uh, just kind of chilled out for the rest of the day after the tournament. Sunday is kind of when I woke up with the, this, this <laughs> and it was much worse than it is now. This will probably not last me to the end of the week i can tell when i'm gonna get like sick and it's gonna be a a haul this is like just an annoyance make sure you rest up and don't allow it to become more than an annoyance because that's usually my fault yeah um sunday julie and i continued on the road to infinity war with iron man 2 iron man 2 how did it hold up it's freaking fantastic (laughs) i I don't i don't understand i even back then i don't understand the hate this movie gets i don't either i I didn't get it at the time either it's great it's fun um i minor minor it's so petty minor but always kind of just like irks me the wrong way is uh black widow's hair when she shows up as black widow yeah the ultra curled like laying down not like no you don't go into combat with this hair you're a shield agent it it only lasted one movie i know know. (laughs) Um, she upgraded dramatically very quickly yeah no it's great uh the opening and the the senate hearing with gary shandling oh gary shandling uh, fantastic. Um, Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer. It's great. Sure. Oscar nominated Sam Rockwell uh-huh. as Justin Hammer. Um, not for that, but yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> so. That would have been something. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool. So next up is Thor. All right, that's one I'm interested to. The Thor franchise is probably the one I'm interested to revisit the most. Okay. So I think as individual franchises in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I kind of rank them 
Guardians, Captain America, Iron Man. So Thor's kind of on the bottom of the Thor's franchises. on the bottom. Okay. Thor's got two okay and one great. That's whereas, fair. Whereas, you know, Iron Man has two great and one okay. Guardians got two friggin' fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Cap's got two friggin' fantastics in it, and a good, and a good. The first one's good. First one's good. It's good. It's fine. But Civil War is like Civil it. War. And, well, and Winter Soldier's still Winter, my top. Yeah. Man, they really set the bar high on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So, yeah. Looking so forward to that. next week is Thor. All right. Yeah, next week is Thor. Um, what else? Let me just grab my notes here. Thor. Look at us being all proactive. <laughs> Did a lot of, uh, got a little mini review for us here. Go on. Did a lot of Street Fighter V Arcade Edition uh, this week. Dear Capcom. In the future, just release this first. <laughs> so this is the way it was meant to be? Oh, it's so... It is... So people were complaining, and I was one of them, that you know the initial release of Street Fighter was very bare bones. Um, not a lot of features to it. Didn't have a standard arcade mode. Uh, just It was catered very much to esports and professional players, which is strange because the... They wanted the mechanics to be very new user friendly. <laughs> and every complaint was valid. It was, you know, not it probably should not have been a $60 game, but I'm in the bag for Street Fighter, so I'll just, you know, shell out that money. <laughs> um and it was just but this is not only did they give us an arcade mode, they gave us the best arcade mode that's been in any Street Fighter game, possibly any fighting game ever. Now you said that you said the other night, and I don't know what you mean. How, how okay? How so is it, how typical is typical arcade mode is you start the arcade mode and you go through like a ladder of opponents. Yeah, you fight the end boss and you get a little like personalized ending, right? Uh, historically, typically, yeah, that's just like I'm differentiating between arcade mode and story mode. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because like I know Mortal Kombat got into like there was story mode and arcade yeah. modes where you pick the tower, you'd go up and whatnot. Right. I'm talking just arcade modes. This arcade mode, you pick. Do you want to go through Street Fighter arcade mode, Street Fighter Two arcade mode, Street Fighter Three arcade mode, Street Fighter Four arcade mode, or Street Fighter Five arcade mode? And the difference is for each mode, there are only characters selectable in ah, yeah, the game, right, right, in okay. that mode who were either in that game or you could tie to the story. Now, okay. not only that, hold on a second. Not only that, uh, the computer will, because a lot of the characters have alternate costumes, mm-hmm. the computer will automatically select an alternate costume that best suits that era. So, like, if you're playing Street Fighter 1 and you're playing against Ryu, you fight a younger Ryu. Okay. So I've been going through, I'm up to Street Fighter 4, and I've been going through them with Ryu. Now, when you beat Street Fighter with Ryu, you get an ending. You beat Street Fighter 2 with Ryu, you get a different ending, an ending that's specific to, you get essentially his original arcade Street Fighter 2 ending. But it's all new artwork Mm -hmm. done by, like, fantastic artists. I think for Street Fighter 2's Ryu, it was the artwork for the one of the main artists who's been doing the 
did the Street Fighter comics for a while for Udon and did a lot of the artwork for the HD remix of Street Fighter 2. Hmm. So there's there's five different endings for you, one for each arcade mode. Hmm. Now, is every... By the way you explain that, does that mean that every character from every game is in this game? Not... So if I'm playing Street Fighter 2 mode, is everyone from Street Fighter 2 in that mode? Not if they haven't been released to... To 5. 5 yet. Okay. So, so missing weird. characters from Street Fighter 2 from 5 currently are Blanca, E. Honda, and Sagat. Well, aren't Blanca's, two of those coming? Blanca and Sagat are coming. Poor E. Honda. Poor E. Honda. What happened? I don't know. Well, we got a crap on E. Honda. He's, he was a really strong character for the first half of the lifespan of Street Fighter Four, And he kind of tapered off at the end. He didn't really get the buffs he needed to stay competitive um, in the tournament scene. But it's it's fantastic. Hmm. Like, it's, it's easily the best arcade mode from any Street Fighter, probably from any fighting game. Oh, cool. So that's really cool. Um, there are There is extra battle, which is really cool. You can unlock unique awards. You can unlock uh, costumes that you cannot purchase in stores. You can only get them through this. A lot of them are like uh, Capcom throwback costumes. Like, the first costume you can unlock is Beautiful Joe. Hey, uh, the next uh, costume is Captain Commando. Who can wear these costumes? Uh, Beautiful Joe is for Rashid, which is very... it That fits. Okay. Um, Captain Commando will be for Nash. And then, Not Guile? Nope. Okay. Um, then so on and so forth. Hmm. Uh, the There's massive balance changes throughout the entire roster. New, some characters have new moves. All characters have new V skills. So it's kind of relearning it again, which is part of the fun. Um, so, yeah, that was really enjoyable. Cool. That was, that was kind of my weeks. All right. Uh, dear listener, if you would like to tell us about your weeks, send us any questions or comments for the show. You can find us the following social media locations you can find us on twitter at devil's do pod you can go to facebook.com slash devil's do pod you can email us at the devil's do pod at gmail.com or you can find all these resources available to you on our website the devil's do podcast.com drew that being said we do have an email from mr alan waiters oh yeah looks like jane allen are tag teaming lately because we rarely <laughs> get them both in the same week all right First question for both of us. Carl and Drew, do you think board games are bringing people closer together despite advanced technology and social media dividing people? How has the Euro-style board game changed how Americans view board games? Interesting question, because Carl sent us that article uh, from, was it HuffPo or from that was the Alan. Atlantic? Or, Alan sent us that. Who did I say? You said me. That's right. Anyway, yeah. yeah, Alan sent that to us, and that was a good read, how the European game scene has kind of influenced the American game scene. And Very now, much so. Or, uh, yeah. The American game scene is catching up to what's been going on in Europe for years. And I, I read that, and it was very much like the beer scene. Like, for years, America's beer was considered crap and lame, <laughs> and then, you know, the European influence kind of steeped in a little bit with uh, the pale ale style, and then next thing you know, boom, America overcomes and takes over the beer world, so to speak. Uh, board games, kind of the same thing right now. Do they bring us together? It seems that way. Yeah. I'm I waiting mean, for like the in-group communities of gamers to start to fighting amongst themselves over 
perceived slights in the balancing of certain games. I'm sure yeah, it happens. I've not seen anything like give it time. Oh, maybe it happens in Magic or something. But like, <laughs> I could see it being a thing. Yeah, but no, yeah, I no, think it's cool. yeah, it's I. It's like I said, I've. In the past couple of years, I've enjoyed board games more than I've enjoyed video games because board games have the couch co-op aspect to it. Uh, it, it there's a so, social aspect to it that video games have kind of lost, and it's partially one of the reasons uh, why I'm enjoying them. The other reason is just the sheer creativity uh, as far as different game mechanics that uh, people find that they like or don't like and new things that they discover. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun and just the variety out there dwarfs anything that's currently going on in video games right now. And it's I growing. Think, I think, yeah, I think there was 2,500 games released last year. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. Cool. Like, so it's kind of crazy. Good times though. Drew. Hmm. Do you think that major third-party developers are afraid to launch new titles on the Switch and make them exclusive because Switch is inferior to the PS4 Xbox One in terms of graphics processing power? Clear example, Capcom stated there would be that there is no plans to release Monster Hunter World on Switch because of the Switch's processing power. Well, mm, Capcom is kind of full of it there but the the reason that's happening specific specific to capcom is that that game's been in development for like four years and they did not have the switch available to them when they started making it so it wasn't really in the cards and now that it's out it's they're not gonna do it now yeah but i think monster hunter on the switch is only a matter of time i would say because this, monster hunter lives and dies on the game boy or the yeah. 3ds whatever yeah not, and uh capcom being a japanese company and nintendo being a japanese company and the switch the switch uh being a gargantuan success in japan will heavily influence them to make some manner of that game for the switch in a matter of time i'm sure anyway um why do I think the third parties are afraid? Uh, I, the processing power, I think it's only a factor in, in that they don't want to allocate resources to developing a game from the ground up for multiple platforms. Yeah. So You don't the want PS4, to make the same game twice. Right. The PS4 and the Xbox, they probably have the same rough architecture that the, the, the developers make it, and then they can port it to one or the other very yeah. easily, very quickly. The Switch being completely different, it's a little more of an involved process. Um, whoever got, The guys who get, uh, did Doom, big ups, because they did a great job. But Doom is also... Uh, id Software is also notorious for writing engines that are incredibly efficient and scalable. Not every developer does that. Yep. So it's, you know... It's a cost. It's a cost to benefit ratio. That's all it really is. It's going to cost the developer X amount to develop for two systems. Is he going to sell that many more copies on Switch to justify it? Well, probably not. But at the same time, the Switch uh, is doing nothing but selling. Yeah. It's got a. It, it's already outsold the Wii U's entire lifespan. It's got an install base. Yeah. So I say, third parties, put forth the effort, and you're going to get rewarded. Here's. Here's the way I look at it. 
I didn't buy a Switch for games like Doom or, like, for example, Star Wars Battlefield or sure, things like that. Sure. I have a PlayStation 4 for those that, games. And that's a fair... I bought the Switch for things that will be different. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think third-party developers should do. If you don't want to make the same game twice, that's understandable. From you know business perspective, that makes sense. Do something different. Do like you know Star Wars Battlefront Switch Edition, where it's a completely different game. Same kind of theory behind it, but make it. Don't try to make it the same game as what's coming out on PS4 and Xbox One. Do something different with it. It's a valid school of thought. Um, I like that school of thought in theory, but I'm also a big fan of a unified platform. So if I could just get everything for Switch, I would. That that's me. Okay, nah, that makes sense. Okay, Carl, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Aww. What discouraged you from that career? How do you know I didn't achieve it? Damn, Alan. <laughs> you failed, Carl. Tell us how you feel about it. What advice would you give a pers- to a person who gives up on his or her passion? Um, Took I, a dark turn. Yeah, I think Alan's just kind of assuming my life is a failure, and that that hurts. Um, what did I want to be when I grow up? When I was a kid, being you know a kid when I was a kid, and you know Luke Skywalker piloting the X wing, Doug Masters and Chappie Sinclair piloting the the F sixteen. I wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was a kid, but um, math and I don't get along, and you need to be <laughs> really smart to be a fighter pilot. Um, but I mean, ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, are you telling me Top Gun lied to me? I, I'm telling you, as I've told you since the beginning of this podcast, that Iron Eagle is a superior yeah, his, jet fighter movie. History's not Gun. backing you up, but okay. Um, as far as like beyond that, I don't know, man. I I didn't really have a set out to do X, Y, or Z in life. And that was, I think in, in a lot of ways, clearly a detriment. And in some ways it was a benefit. Um, originally I went to college for, uh, to be an English teacher, a high school English teacher. And then I realized I just like to write. So I switched from secondary education to English. And then, you know, I realized I'm not a good college student. And then it just kind of, College didn't work out. I learned much more from the experience of college than I did from the classes of college. Um, And just uh, circumstances in life just kind of directed me different ways. Um, But for someone who's made as many mistakes as I have, um, I don't think anyone has ever uh, failed up as well as I have. Because to be where I am right now, to have... Uh, the incredible wife that I have and the amazing son that I have, you know, I've got a good job that, that our needs are provided for. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for much more. Um, as far as what advice would I give a person who gives up on their, their passions? Uh, my father said something to me that of the many things my father said to me throughout my life that I wish I had paid attention to more is don't be afraid to take a shot and fail. Don't be afraid, you know, when you're young enough and, you know, you don't have a lot to lose, 
and you have the opportunity, take a chance on something. Take a risk on something. My father always said, you're young enough, you're young enough to make mistakes and have plenty of time to pay for them to go on and do other things. I really wish I had paid attention to that more. Um, I played it safe a lot of times because uh, I wanted to be there for my family and kind of be a uh, to help provide for the family and you know whether or not that's that's what he wanted for me. I'm sure he wanted more for me than that, but those were my choices and they helped shape who I am today to bring me into that where I'm at today. Uh, but yeah, I would say uh, don't. Don't give up on your passions. It's never it's never too late for passion. It's never too late for doing something that uh, you want to do. You know, I wanted to do a podcast. I didn't have the the technical know how of how to do a podcast. I know Drew did, and I know Drew had experience doing a podcast. And you know, I I dragged him kicking and screaming into this experiment. And, <laughs> You know, fortunately, it's worked out. You know, do we have, you know, Casper mattress dollars rolling in? No, but Casper mattress are, we, dollars. are we creating something that we're proud of week in and week out and putting it out there? Yes. Um, if, if you're passionate about something, you're doing what you're passionate about, the level of quote unquote success that you achieve with it will not matter. Um, that said, Casper, we're here. Yeah, I mean, Casper, <laughs> if you if you want to throw us some shekels, I'll sleep on a Casper mattress. I'll do that hundred day free trial. Um, I will. Yeah, Casper Blue Apron. Uh, you know, for what was the website development? The Foursquare or is it what's Squarespace? Squarespace. Squarespace. Yeah. Sure. Squarespace. Sure. sure. That, do you have mesothelioma? You might have questions like, what do I do? Who should I call? Those guys, they should, we they, they, okay. we can get them too. Yeah. So yeah, don't uh, <laughs> don't give up on your passions. Uh, understand what's most important to you, and understand also what's most important to you alongside your responsibilities. Um, I have adult responsibilities in life, so there are certain things that have to get sacrificed to do those. But I sacrifice those gladly in order to be a better husband and a better father. Um, but yeah, do. Do what you're passionate about, and if you're doing it the way that a way that satisfies you, then you know, good on you. Amen. Oh yeah. All right. Lucas. Lucas wants in because he likes to drive us insane. Here's Lucas. All, All right. right. What's going on? So that brings a close. The cross-examination uh we just had the email from alan and let's see here so we've got the case files to go and we've got some stuff to go over in the case files uh some different stuff's going on so let's get to it all right drew we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week a lot of it's this is you know there's no dumpster fire stuff here. It's all it's all good stuff. Okay. Let's, let's start out uh, with probably the the biggest news story from the week, in which I think it was it Thursday or Friday. Nintendo dropped huh? Labo. Oh, the Labo. The Labo. Okay. So yeah, this is the thing. I'm going to describe this the best I can. Uh, it is a series of 
cardboard constructs that you assemble. Yep. That kids will make their parents assemble and parents will hate. <laughs> um, Creative parents will enjoy it. And you, you implement your Switch into this to play a series of mini games. You can make uh, a, a remote-controlled car. You can make... A fishing rod. A fishing rod. A piano. A piano. Uh, a giant robot suit, apparently. Yes. I saw a kick pedal with, like, a drum kit. Yep. A uh, motorcycle. Did you say that already? I didn't, maybe, but uh, it, it's it's flexible. I have, I have two different schools of thought on this, but I will defer to... The man who loves Nintendo. It is a. It is. This is like the most Nintendo thing to Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that in both good and bad. Here's the thing. I think it's actually pretty brilliant. I had no idea it was coming. No one did. It was Shocked. completely out of left field. Shocked, I tell you. No, I'm just joking. Completely out of left field. Yeah. Like I don't. Who would have even thought that like Nintendo's working on this super secret cardboard thing? No one would have believed you. No, they're doing yeah. it. Here's the thing. It's not for me. This is not something I'm going to get into. Okay. But for kids who are into creative hobbies and construct construction kind of hobbies, Legos and yeah, yeah. Bionicle and, and you know that kind of stuff, I can see this being very much up the rally. And likewise, parents of kids who are into that stuff and parents who are also curious and and into that stuff as well. It's it's super neat. I can't deny it's sheer bonkers aspect, but it's not totally out of the blue in a way, because I've been seeing in the last couple of years, like, you know, I see the the occasional article on a video game site here or there like look what so and so made out of cardboard at home and they make like cardboard uh weapons like you know here's a here's an M16 made out of cardboard and it yeah. looks and it's super detailed and it looks and it's like cardboard craft is like a thing yep nintendo is somehow picked up on this weird thing and like nintendo fight it by about 80% <laughs> okay go for it uh, sure like, I'm not going to buy it, yeah. but I I respect it though because it's again it's it's a very creative, interesting concept, and I think the more you can get people to use their brains and build things and expand their ideas of what is possible with things, the better. So I I kind of admire it for that, and I hope it does well. I guess. I, I don't know what to make of it exactly, because, again, it's not really for me. Yeah. I have two perspectives on it. The first perspective is that, like you said, this is not for me. This is for kids. Yeah. And I think... Which they said before they announced it. Yeah. Like this... We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. This is for kids, and I think a lot of... Uh, I get some of the fan frustration with this, because there are people who <laughs> Go have on. a Switch... And they love their Switch, and they want more content for There's it. There's a lot of content out there. There is a lot of content, but they want more. Um, they want, like, you know, the big game announcements, whatnot. And I get that. But not everything, like, not even everything on the PlayStation 4 is for me. 
You know, there's going to be things that come out on Nintendo that just aren't for you. And that's fine, especially if it's something for kids. I think it's really, I think there's a little bit of genius in it where Nintendo's going, what was the one constant best toy throughout your childhood? It was the cardboard box. What did you play with the most as a kid? It was a cardboard box. And there's, I mean, tip of the hat to Nintendo. That's, that's pretty freaking genius right there. Um, and like every, t- every time I think of something to say against it, for lack of a better term, I just counter with, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So here's where I fall on the other spectrum. I'm a little concerned about the price point of it. It's $60 for one kit and $70 for another kit. In the one kit, though, you get like four kits. That's it's, true. It's a, big, it's a big bundle. And the game. Right. right. So you're getting software and yeah. the ability to construct multiple things. So I think. You know what Legos cost nowadays? Oh, yeah. And they I don't know even, what there's Legos no software cost. there. Yeah. That's just plastic. No, I think that. Okay, if you're telling me that this. When you get this thing, you break out these these sheets with the cardboard stuff that you pop out mm-hmm. and assemble. If that sheet that you popped out of the cardboard, if you can keep that and use that as a template to make multiples, yes, because sure. cardboard is great, yeah, but it's not durable. It's not meant for long term abuse that kids will tend to give something that's the genius of it <laughs> they can sell you more yeah the, I, I thought about i thought about that i was like is this nintendo's version of microtransactions you got to keep going back and buying more cardboard hey so, at least in this you get something tangible i i think i really hope that the stencils for lack of a better phrase that the cardboard that initially comes with it come out can be reused and you could just like like when the fishing rod wears down you can just use the stencil to carve take a regular cardboard sure. box i hope that everything is uh, parents are gonna hate this thing because <laughs> this stuff is extremely intricate in its assembly well there's like levers and pulleys and stuff like that and parents are going to make or kids are going to make their parents assemble that and they're going to hate it well maybe they shouldn't be such lazy parents then and don't don't yeah don't don't throw that stone because because i remember being a kid and having many toys to assemble that my Kind of made my parents assemble. I did my own. I built my own G.I. Joe vehicles and play sets and whatnot. Once I got to that age, I did. But like a lot of the early Star Wars stuff, I was just like, put it together for me. Mm. It's because I was also a brat. Spoiled brat. Well, too, there but, is that to contend yeah. with. Um, so it will be interesting to see where they go with it. I think it's going to be a big hit. Calling it now. It's going to be a big hit. Kids are going to want hot, hot take. Drew says Nintendo's new product is going to be good. Uh, spoiler alert. There were so many people that thought that they were every every single thing this company has done for the last 15, 20 years. They're done. They're doomed. No, nope, they're doomed. I'm not saying that. I'm just I'm I saying know. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of tablets when they first came out. 
because I looked at tablets. I went, that's really cool. Where is it going to fit in? Mm. What's its place going to be? And clearly we see how tablets have fit in. So well, I, like, tablets are dying. Because <laughs> this, this has the potential to open up a whole new area of games that the Switch can do. Yeah, it's or kind it of could a, be Wii Music. I don't think it's gonna. Be, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think. Did you that. get Wii Music? No, because I knew it was garbage from the moment I laid eyes on it. This is different. This is much different. I think this will be uh, uh, much more successful than the Wii Music. But I. But you know. Yeah. It, again, we'll see. It, it's not targeted to me. Yeah. And uh, it's not for us. No. And they. And this is where again. Remember what I said about fans? How they're the worst. Man. In the days leading up to that event of the, of the unveiling of the Labo, they, Nintendo came out and said, number one, this is a mini announcement. This is not a, a, a direct. Yeah. So, okay. So, it's like, hey, sit down. Guys, sit down. We're going we're gonna to show something off. I want to tell our expectations. I, I want to tell you right now what it is so that you know. And you, you know. Yeah. Number one, it's not a direct. Number two, it's for kids. We, they said it's for kids and those who are kids at heart. That's what they said. What people somehow they even gave something to the the air quotes hardcore gamers earlier in the week when they got like the Mario Tennis and the Donkey Kong Country. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, and the and the little mini direct. Yeah. yeah. So <coughs> why, knowing that, are fans after this thing gets unveiled screaming from the rooftops? I wanted Smash Brothers, and I they deserve. I should be Grand Theft Auto cardboard. <laughs> oh man, they got these pretzels here. It's five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what a good pull! Oh my god, Marge, you got but they won't quit. That's good. <laughs> oh, you caught me by surprise there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most i've ever made you laugh oh uh, i love that that's just I, I can hear it in my head now and it's that's great all right yeah true so, yeah moving on okay uh two very old friends of ours are finally getting married are they the now? weddings in june i'm i'm booked in june so marvel comics announced oh. earlier this week that kitty pride and Pietor Rasputin, a.k.a. Shadowcat and Colossus, will finally be getting married in a June issue of X-Men. Well, she's legal now, so it's okay now, finally. Oh, we won't. <laughs> Let's not dwell on how things started. Yeah. Good. That's cool. You know what? For, for all the mess that X-Men is, both in comics and in film... Something like this has the potential to remind us why we love X-Men. Why we loved X-Men. Yeah. Um, this is really cool. Something I might pick up. Uh, so, yeah. Hopefully it won't go the way of, you know. The rest of Marvel's marriages? <laughs> yeah. Spidey, Cyclops, and Jean. Oh, God. One more day still hurts. Yeah. Brand new day still hurts. I know. It really like still hurts. You know, Spidey's dating a uh, mockingbird right now. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> good, good job. How does Hawkeye feel about this? I'm sure. Well, they're, they're divorced, so yeah, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. Okay, so Drew. Yeah. 
I know this came as a surprise to you earlier in the week. Uh, there is apparently a new RoboCop in the works. Uh, allegedly. Not, not only is there a new RoboCop in the works, but it is coming from the screenwriter of the original RoboCop. Yeah. And yeah. is going to ignore everything past RoboCop 1. Yeah. And it's not a reboot. It's a sequel. No, it's a sequel. This Peter Weller. The, well, get I, in the suit. I don't. I don't think Mr. Weller is is gonna be able to do it. But uh, if he can be Batman, he can be RoboCop again. I mean, are we gonna digitally recreate Peter Weller <laughs> and just have him voice it? I could see that maybe. Um, in any case, okay. Where do you go with that concept? I mean, here's, oh, oh, here's the thing. It's I, weird because we're now living in the world that, you know, RoboCop 1 depicted. Basically, yes. Minus the robot cops and whatnot. Um, yeah, I feel kind of gypped there. I mean, if you're <laughs> going to put me in a dystopian, you know, future, at least give me the robot cops. Yeah, yeah. And the artificial heart. I want my damn jetpack. And nuke them. Nuke. No, no, not, 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 not that was two. The, the game from first. Nuke them. Oh, okay. Get them before they get you. <laughs> That's it, mister. No more military aid. <laughs> you crossed my zone of death. <laughs> Pakistan's threatening my border. I've seen, I've seen RoboCop a few times. Anyway, um, if 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 uh, the screenwriter, Ed Newmeyer, I think is the guy. I believe so. If If he writes it with the same satirical bite that the original had plus the action obviously but the but the satire and and the witty commentary really is the star of RoboCop 1 the action's great yeah it, it all it's, bro, man it's such a perfect storm of a movie it really is that's why it's really hard to make a sequel to it that can live up um if they can do that then it could be great, and not to mention, I think uh, they the, the the potential is there for a lot of interesting angles. Like you said, RoboCop One, like we kind of live in it now. In fact, you could argue it's worse now than it was in RoboCop One. Still better than living in Demolition Man's future. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, <coughs> on top of that, you got the issue of you know cops i guess in the 21st century the lot, yeah. a lot of police scrutiny in the, in the past few years with you know the, with the riots and whatnot and you know uh, it, 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 there's some fertile ground there that they could maybe make a statement about if they want if they chose if the studio would be so brave to do it um i'm not saying to take a side per se but there's there's things that we could could be discussed there uh Technology, man versus machine, obviously is still obviously a prevalent theme. It's inherent with the with the franchise, and now with digital technology going coming as far as it has, like the nature of like RoboCop being outdated and old and busted, and like where does he fit in now? Because yeah. he's already he's already a dead man, so he's already lost his humanity. So now he's also technically outdated and and. <laughs> for all lack of a better term dead there too like uh, interesting some interesting ideas there if you go to robocop archive the, on, on the interwebs 
throw it in your Google machine, kids. Uh, they have um, a treatment for RoboCop 2 that Ed Newmeyer wrote for that was supposed to be the sequel to RoboCop back in the 80s. It was a little too ambitious at the time for what they were ready to do back then, uh, what MGM was willing to do back then. And it, I'm curious if he'll recycle any of the ideas in there because one of his ideas in it basically was that RoboCop gets destroyed in the first like five minutes of the movie and he wakes up and his consciousness has been uploaded into like a, into a internet for lack of a better term. Okay. And he wakes up 60 years in the future and everything's different and he gets built a new body and he's kind of being used as a pawn between different corporations and corporate espionage and corporate overlords and whatnot. So I wonder how much of that will bleed into whatever he's coming up with now because there's in a way he was way ahead of his time when they were writing that back then. So I'm curious what they would do with it now. Frank Miller wrote the RoboCop 2 script. The one that was, well... The, the one that was used, but I guess they, they altered it radically. Too. Yes. Which is why it took so much convincing from Robert Rodriguez to get Frank Miller to sign off on a Sin City movie. Yeah. Um, RoboCop 2 was a very troubled production. And uh, it's fun and enjoyable, but uh, as a fan of the original, it's not it's not the same movie. It tries, but yeah. it largely fails to elicit the same reaction. It's got bad dudes in it. It does have bad dudes in it. And it does have, you know, some cool effects and fight scenes and, you know, its own uh, memorable moments. But yep. RoboCop 1, man, is just such a, it, it's, it is lightning in a bottle. It is, it really is lightning in a bottle. Everything about that movie is just amazing. I love the idea of a sequel to it. Um, me and Jay Gelsomino were re- a big into Josh Williamson's RoboCop series uh, from Dynamite, Dynamite or Boom? Boom Studios, I think, that did it. And they that, the Williamson series was, a, it, it likewise, a sequel to the original movie. And he kept the tone and the look and the aesthetic and the ideas very much in line with the first movie grounding. Yeah. And it was cool. It was pretty cool. So I'm all for more RoboCop, man. It's especially if we can wipe the slate clean from the reboot attempt yes and the third one sp yeah yeah we less said there the better reboot better in the third one Oof. Y- yeah 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 and uh, you know what the third one was basically what toys can we get out of this yeah kind of and I, I don't feel, you know, to be honest, I don't even feel bad saying it. Because, by, you know, by three, Welder was gone. Verhoeven was long gone. Yeah. The writers were long gone. So, yeah, it was a shell of itself. All righty. So, hopefully that will come to fruition. Because right now it's just in development. Hopefully they know there's there's an audience out there for that. I'll go see it. I will, too. <laughs> All right. All right. That being said, we get to what was probably the most enjoyable and biggest surprise news of the week. Drew, mm-hmm. look up in the sky. Up. It's a bird. Eh. It's a plane. I'm looking. It's red trunks. Oh, the trunks. I'm it so was happy. announced earlier this week by DC Comics that for Action Comics 1000, Superman's red trunks will return. And uh, they released pictures. I'm not sure if they're final pictures of the costume, 
Um, but Superman 1000 or Action Comics 1000 apparently is a big issue for numerous reasons. Obviously, first comic to reach 1000 issues. Um, Return of the Trunks, and also I guess uh, this will be Brian Michael Bendis's first DC work sure is but let's talk about the trunks let's talk about underwear on the outside i'm very happy about this it i didn't i didn't hate the redesign as much as some um but just seeing the new drawings coming out like they've been they've been inching more towards a more classic Superman over the past couple of years. Yes. Rebirth, everything they've been doing. Superman was my surprisingly to me, as I know it was to a lot of people, Superman was my title of the year last year. Hmm. And this just seems to be another big step in the right direction. As soon as I saw it, my immediate thought was I'm buying it. I'm buying I'm buying the issue for the trunks alone. I'm not even kidding. It just looks like right. Superman. Yeah. It just looks right. I saw the picture. I'm like, hey, that's Superman. Like, where you been, man? <laughs> I've been here looking for you. There's another guy running around with a collar and in and, and, and a big blue void in the midsection. And I, I didn't know who it was. But look at you. There you Superman. I'm, I'm in. Looks cool. I'm very happy. It's 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 Superman. Look, you can tell me up top, up you know any way you want that it looks silly and that it you know whatever. That's that's all it really comes down to is oh it looks silly. That doesn't hold water. Here's why. Superman is the first superhero. He is the model for the whole yep. thing. He can wear trunks and look normal because yep. that's just how he looks. Yeah. It, it just is. And it's one of those Spider-Man situations where nail it the first time. We don't need to. We don't got we don't got to mess with this. We got it. Yeah. It, it, it just granted his original outfit did evolve over time, but the trunks were there all along. Yeah. It's it just works. It works from a design. Like, again, I've said this before. As a design element, it works. It it breaks up this monotonous blue color. It, you need something to break that up. They tried with the belt, and it just it's not it wasn't enough. Not enough. The trunks just give it flair. It just it just suddenly pops. Suddenly it works. Yep. Your eyes are less drawn to his crotch with the trunks on <laughs> than when they're off. I don't know why. It just it it's just the way it is. It's science. Crotch science. It's right. I've studied crotch science, Carl. Uh, and before you uh, oh want to, that's right. Let that let that lie there for a minute. Uh, and before you say, "Oh, it's underwear on the outside. It's silly." You have to again. Do we not know the origins of why they're there? They're not there because like he doesn't know how to dress himself. They're there because yeah. in the 1930s, when Superman was created, the only frame of reference that they wanted to use. Well, the frame of reference that they wanted to get across is that Superman is a strong character. Strong guys at that time were like circus strong yeah, men. Circus strong men. Circus strong men did wear leotards and spandex, but the fabrics at the time were not the most reliable. And when they did have a weak point, being the seams usually, it was going to be in the crotch area. So if they're performing at a show, lifting heavy things and whatnot, they didn't want their 
goods to be yeah exposed so they wore a garment over their leotards hence the visual shorthand with superman's trunks it gives it gave people an immediate frame of reference like this guy is strong and because he is the first superhero and that's what we associate with superheroes he should always have them it's just part of his gimmick and if you can find a way to make me believe that he wears a cape he's powered by the sun he can shoot beams out of his eyes and he can you know fly faster than anything ever and turn back time and whatnot then i'm willing to believe that his culture says this is what we wear here's your costume by the way there's undies on the outside fine yep welcome back superman (laughs) he's been back for a little bit i mean the guy where the the collar the collar yeah that was the first thing that had to go Um, i'm glad it's gone and just they've really brought back the character and a side note to this the latest issue of superman came out this past week i believe it was 39 not lying to you not exaggerating Probably the best single issue of a comic book I have read in years. Wow. Not only that, it had me in tears multiple times. Oh, dear. This comic defined why we read superheroes. Um, it's And it's a very non-comic book story. It's a very, like... It's, you know, someone might look at it and go, it's cheesy. Um, it is a story that has been done before. Um, <clears throat> the last time I remember doing is, remember the large format books that Paul Dini and Alex Ross did years back? Yes. Uh, the the Captain Marvel book, Shazam book, did a story very similar to this. Basically, the, the story opens up with uh, Superman. There are these, you know, insert supervillain xyz here that i think they're just kind of like they're called the demolition crew um very very much you know not in superman's league at all you know not they're basically just there to facilitate the beginning of the story okay so superman dispatches them fairly quickly and at one point he's flying up and he stops outside the window of a hospital and it's the the children's section of the hospital and they do a good job of communicating that you know these are kids with terminal illnesses these are kids with cancer and things like that Hmm. um superman stops and says hi and then a couple pages later you see superman's talking to the parents and saying things like you know our paramount concern is safety we really want to do this for them it you know they will be absolutely safe you have my word on it Next page, big splash page, Superman returns to the hospital with Green Lantern, who's flying a space shuttle construct. Superman and Green Lantern fly these kids up to the Justice League watchtower to meet the Justice League. And the whole issue is just these kids who could never have dreamed of experiencing this, these kids who have come to term with the fact that they're not going to lead a full life and that they're their passing is going to happen relatively soon. Just getting to spend this time with the justice league, the justice league or John Cena. No, the justice league. 
and they're 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 doing their best John Cena impression. Well, no, I mean, I get what you're saying, but <laughs> it's it's just incredibly done, and it you know as a as a father to think of William possibly you know, but for the grace of God goes me and my son. Um, it worked on that level. It just worked on the level of heroes being heroes in the way in the best possible way Hmm. and the best possible way for these heroes to be heroes is not necessarily punching out a criminal but it's giving hope you know hope is a word that gets thrown around kind of cheaply nowadays but this is truly what superheroes are meant to do and just the way they do it is fun it's fantastic like they do a scavenger hunt (laughs) superman gives the kids a scavenger hunt like you know, find Superman's cape, find, you know, XYZ. <laughs> the last, the last uh, thing on the scavenger hunt is get a picture of Batman smiling. And it's just like you've got Flash running kids around the a kid in the wheelchair. He's running them around the, the watchtower. Doesn't sound safe. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's fantastic. I would highly recommend next time you're in a comic shop, pick it up because I'm sure it's not going to be flying off shelves. It's, it's incredible. It might be the perfect issue of Superman. All right. So, yeah, definitely check that out. I think it's Superman 39. I'm not. You know what? I'm going to look it up because if anyone out there is inspired to pick up a comic book, this would be the one to do that. Wow, my voice is really. Yeah. Let's not uh, going? belabor things if we can. Uh, So... I believe that does it for the news. All right. Is there anything else you can think of, sir? No, top of my head, I'm I'm good. The RoboCop thing was uh, kind of my big manajama for the for the week. Yeah, that was. I saw that. I was like, oh. <laughs> Me and Jay Johnson, you know, uh, are 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 we we are excited. Yes, much much excite. Where is it? oh? You know what? <laughs> As he hunts. Or um, the Superman issue. One other thing, I saw a television commercial for comic books this week. I was just like, I was channel surfing, and there was something on sci-fi, and I just kind of stopped on it, and I can't remember what it was. You know what? I think it might have been Thor. Uh, Superman 39 okay. is the number, so if you get a chance, pick up Superman 39. Um, and there was a, a television commercials for DC Comics touting their new line of characters they're coming out with. I'm going to say something I don't think I would be saying anytime soon. Yeah. DC is beating Marvel and comics in every, pretty much every way. They're creating new stuff. They're bringing their characters back to form and their individual books are great. Um, if someone asked me which one I'd recommend going into now at the current States, I would say going to DC comics. They're just hitting, they seem to be hitting on all cylinders. Well, took long enough after the new new 52 fiasco. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Marvel. Because, like, I think we said on the show before, you know, as, as, as great as that is, that DC is out there doing good work, uh, so goes Marvel, so goes the comics biz. So we kind of need Marvel to write that ship. Otherwise, the whole thing is going to kind of 
drift. I think Marvel is trending up and not as rapidly as DC. Is. No, they're 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 still in the in the midst of the editorial shakeup and whatnot. So they have some work to do, and <laughs> I think they're going to get on top of it. And uh, we'll see what the plan is. Um, we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, uh, I know Legacy is happening right now, but that's not that's not the big move. That's a move. Yeah, the the big moves are coming. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Are you have, are you caught up on Cap? Yes, yes, how, I am. How, do you, how are you liking the new? Weird. It's good. Okay, I'm not caught up, but I know they're up to like issue three right yes. now. Yes, yeah, the third. Well, it's six ninety whatever. But yeah. yes, uh, it's weird because every issue is kind of self contained. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> we're not used to that anymore. No, it's just like quick bang bang superhero comics. And there's not a whole ton of meat on the bones, so to speak. That's okay, though. It's it's a good writing of the ship, as kind of like I just said. But I I, I kind of want more. Like I need my cap to be a little more storyline driven, and like I don't know. It's it's good. It's good. It's it's good. It's good. But. I need a little more. Yeah, after the ringer cap's been through, let's let's let him take a bit no, of a breather. This, yeah, this is a perfectly fine like kind of let let's get some feel goods in. Yeah, fine. At say, some point, can we get like you know? Okay, now what? Yeah, because say one thing I love that both DC and Marvel have gone back to. Mm. Um, it's a little thing, but I love it. Corner boxes. Yeah, I don't corner boxes. Such a little thing. So insignificant in the grand scheme of comics, but what I mean when I say corner boxes, folks, the box in the upper left-hand corner traditionally has like a little piece of artwork separate from the cover and the number of the issue that you're looking at. Largely, these have been absent from comics since the late 90s, early 2000s, but DC and Marvel are doing them again. I think it's great. I'm the, I could take or leave. I'm, it's nice. It's a nice little nod to the past. Yes. Alrighty, that's that's the end of the news, and by the sounds of it, it looks like it's going to be the end of my voice soon. So let us get to, yeah, that was a rough one. Let's get to the latest issue, latest issue. Boy, it's going to be a slog to the end here, folks. We're going to do it for you. Latest episode of The Punisher, it's Russell and Papers. Alrighty, this is episode five, is it, is it not? It is. All right. And the episode is titled Gunner. Okay. So I noticed a theme in this episode, Carl. What's that? Trust. Trust. Trust uh, amongst all of our players here. So we've got Sam and Madani. Tension in that relationship. Yep. We've got Frank and Micro. Tension in that They're relationship. They're having a little bit of lover spat. A little bit. Um... We've got uh, Karen and Frank. Also kind of... Yeah, not the tension we want in that relationship. Not exactly. Well, I mean, I guess we can we can get to that, I suppose. I guess ultimately... Wherever what you I'm, want to start, Amigo. We can, I, I'm, my, my notes are linear, but we can, I can kind of go all over the place. Yeah. Let's talk about the Frank and Karen thing. Yeah. <sighs> I'm grateful, at least up through episode uh, 10, 10 or 11, I'm up to now, I think 10. 
Something else happens later on. No spoilers just yet, folks. We'll get to that. You talking about the elevator? Yes. Yeah. They didn't go as far as I feared they would. Yeah. But the whole thing just still feels a little forced. That's the end of it, though. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it does I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything for you there. That's, That's pretty much the end of it. Okay. In that case... Good. I got worried. Yes. I'm not going to lie. I got real worried. So let's bring the worries to this episode. Because this is this is kind of going back to like old old, th- old studio thinking of how superhero stuff needs to be done. There's got to be a love interest. Right. If there's no love interest. You know what? Well, don't worry, Carl, because uh, there is another in this series that yeah. they kind of tease a bit. And we'll get to that as well when the time comes. But this Karen thing, I still struggle with Karen's like acceptance and and like protection of Frank. Even in Daredevil season two, it felt a little tacked on, not tacked on, but it's just like, look, it's felt a little forced. I I don't think it necessarily to me, it doesn't feel forced to me. It feels like her affection and protection of Frank is stemming from something about Karen that we have not learned about her yet. Okay. In the show. All right. Obviously we know of Karen's history in the comics, but as far as like stuff in the show, I think her affection and protection of Frank stems from something we haven't learned yet. And given her penchant for bad boys, it might also have to do with why she also likes Matt. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, but is but from her perspective, is Matt really a bad boy? Oh yeah, she she knows what he does at night. Well, she knows now. Yeah, she does now. But that just makes her want him more, probably. Um. So yeah, I could do without that uh, angle. But like, if you said that that's as far as it goes later on, then, then fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't like it necessarily, but yeah. they don't. Uh, it doesn't become the the huge glaring distraction um, that I feared it would. With leading up into the series, before had it was they had they pulled the trigger on that, but I would have been out. It, I think it would have killed the series. I would have checked out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. I. It just you can't. In my opinion, you just can't. Yeah. Frank, no. that, Frank can't do that. Um. So, uh, Madani is hiding the fact that Frank. That she knows Frank is alive. She's hiding that from her superiors. She was initially hiding it from her partner, Sam. Yeah. She tells him that information. So now he's got a big worm on a hook. Because there's a, an official inquiry as to what went down at the docks. Right. A lot of guns went missing. Yes, they did. And <laughs> later in the episode, Sam, when when put in, in the crosshairs of the investigators, covers for her. Yep. So, again, trust forged now between these two characters this yeah this is a relationship that i think they developed really nicely throughout the series yeah um i didn't quite like the character sam at first but he grew on me sure in which i think he's intended to he he's not this hell-bent driven intense character like everyone else in the show is yeah he's more you know he's got his job to do and he accepts that yep but he's also pragmatic and he knows that, you know, putting, covering up what he knows now is going to put him in the crosshairs eventually. He will, like, now he knows he yeah. will, this will come down on him if anything goes wrong. So there is a trust built up right now between him and Madani. Uh, Micro and Frank have the lover spat. And Frank um, is helping out Micro's wife. <laughs> yeah. This whole little relationship is is kind of interesting 
Uh, Micra's kid, his son, continues to be a jerk. Yep. Daughter's nice, though. Daughter is nice. I think I kind of ultimately like what they did with Micro's family and Frank because it starts out, it's just a measurement of leverage that Frank has on Micro. Right. And then it turns to be almost a safe place for Frank. It's where Frank can kind of separate himself from the Punisher and remind himself of what he had. He once was. Yeah. At the same time, I, I think it serves a double purpose in that not only does it remind him who he once was, but also reminds him why he is doing what he's doing now. To a degree, yeah, that's fair. And I also think, though, it is reinforcing to him why he doesn't want people involved with him. Yeah. So he is be- here he is with Micro's family, Later in the episode, he doesn't want Micro to go on this mission to find the guy who shot the footage that got Frank and Micro in all this trouble to begin with. Yeah, to find Gunner. He doesn't want Micro's help. He doesn't want Karen's help. He wants these people as far away from him as possible because he sees what they have and he knows that he no longer has any place in that anymore. His His world is far too violent and messed up. And family life just is not his world anymore. Even though we get these glimpses of, of it. We uh, we finally get back to some action in this episode. Oh, do we? <laughs> so, yeah, Gunner doesn't want to be found. No. So, no. he's got the whole place tripwired. Tripwired and, and it's like the end of Predator. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Come on, I'm here. Kill me. I'm here. So Frank and uh, there's a little there's a little misunderstanding at first. Yeah, Frank gets an arrow through the chest. Yeah, well through the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And that was just rude. Yeah, Gunner's offer, a ba- Gunner's a bad host. Offer the guy a cup of tea or something before <laughs> you shoot him with an arrow. But uh, you know, I mean, we. I'm not saying don't shoot him with the arrow. I'm just saying let's we can still be civil and shoot each other with arrows. Yeah. Sure, why not? Sure. Um, but they're not alone. No. No. They got the uh, the hit team sent in by William Rollins. Yeah. Um, he gives a big old resounding pro CIA speech. Yeah, the speech. Hey, here's the thing. It was a good speech. It's I think that speech defines his personal philosophy and motivation. Absolutely. Cuz he doesn't strike me as a character who like just reads a, a pre-prepared speech. I think that speech legitimately came from his perception of what is right and what he does. Sure. Well, all the villain, all the great villains think that they're yeah, justified. The hero correct. Of their own right. Story. Exactly. Uh, my only gripe with that speech: he gives this big speech. He's in this room full of CIA recruits or newbies yeah. or whatever. I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume that they know who he is. Right. Yeah. He gives this big speech, and then he goes, my name is William Rollins. Welcome to the CIA. People don't talk like that. Yeah. And that's just... And, and, you start the conversation with that. Right. And I know they just do it for dramatic effect, and it's just, you know, part of screenwriting. Yeah. But that kind of stuff drives me nuts. Like, you know what I really hate? I, granted, in this case, it's he's a, he's a nobody as far as, like, you know, he's not a character that I've seen in comics or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just more picking on the delivery of the line. 
But like what I hate even more is when like we see in a prequel or something like that or characters we do know where someone on screen has to overtly tell you that these two characters are on screen together. Uh, For example, Star Wars prequels, terrible movies, but they had to have that moment where someone was like, Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, yeah, we know. Like that moment is just, yeah. And, And then, oh, Batman versus Superman. When Lex Luthor's at the party. Oh, don't mind it, me. Like, we know. We know, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. And it's like, yeah, we know. We get it. You don't have to spell it out like, you know, we're, we're idiots. We know. We can take in the moment without you having to say it. Yeah. But that's, anyway, I, I digress. That's a, that's a, we're off the beaten path. Um. Rollins is a bad dude because he he's also Agent Orange and yep. he's also got Madani's office bugged and he's also sending a hit squad after Frank because he knows that Frank is looking for Gunner. How does he know that? Because Madani is also looking for Gunner. Yep. And he's getting awards from Maid Marian. Um, yeah. So the <laughs> Abyss girl got old. No, she, dude, she played Maid Marian in the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. And she was also in the Abyss. That's and, Mary Elizabeth and Trans- Antonio. And she's playing a character here named Marion. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Is that like in her contract or something when she does movies? My character has to be named Marion. It's part of the gig. No, she still looks fine. I Yeah, I know. But I was kind of like, Is that her? Oh. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. You're so mean. Uh, so yeah, Frank and Gunner not having a good time in the forest. No, no. There were. I mean the the action at this point when I watched it through the first time, the action was definitely welcome in mm-hmm. this episode because there had been a steep, you know, lack of it. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's, but this second time around seemed a lot like we had talked about last week last week's episode seemed to be more like establishment and setup yeah i think you could have taken last week's episode episode three or episode four and episode five and just trimmed a lot of fat and made one episode um maybe uh i i hear what you're saying about the last episode uh four but in this one i felt like this one pretty much holds together pretty tightly on its own every everything that it uh Everything it does is purposeful, and it it sets it, it sets itself up pretty nice. Yeah, no, I I see that too. I just the think... last episode definitely though could have been we could have trimmed some fat out of that for sure. So we get to the end of the episode. I think we're just kind of shooting through this one because yeah, you're, you're hurting is, here. My voice and is honestly, I, we've covered the big themes here. Um. Something else I want to talk about is Madani and Russo. Yes. At the end of the episode. Yes. Get together. And we have what's kind of been established in like Luke Cage and, and Jessica Jones. Coffee? As the, yeah, we have coffee. Yeah, we have some coffee. Here's my problem with this series is we we have a little too much coffee in this <laughs> series. Because um, this kicks we? off like, I, I don't think. There's like a three episode stretch where we have a lot of coffee. Yeah. We're caffeinated. I don't think it's necessary to, and granted, a lot of this is coming from my spiritual beliefs and whatnot, what I like to view and not view. Um, 
I don't think it's necessary in a series like this to show that as much as they do. Even though there's nothing to like explicit shown, I think ultimately you're still doing you know a Marvel character. I think there's yeah. ways you can communicate that while not showing what they did. I'm I'm not as I I share that sentiment often when watching certain things because it's kind of like oh, okay we can kind of tame this down a little bit. I think in this show anyway, given the characters that we're talking about, Russo and Madani, um, I think it's almost kind of necessary in the glimpses that we do get because she's damaged and she is trying to find solace in in the wrong places. Yeah, so you kind of need to get established that. And on top of that, spoilers, folks, uh, this relationship uh, is developed that I think you need to show that development and what it's based on because that will come into play later when things yeah. don't go so smoothly. I uh, hear where you're coming from. Yeah, I, still I don't think necessarily like, disagree, but it's I, not that bad. I think... You know, a scene of her slipping a stocking onto one of her legs with him laying in bed with a sheet over him, no shirt on, is just as effective and not as graphic. But again, this is me. No, it's fine. I'm normally I'm sympathetic to that. It didn't. Things like that do typically stick out to me. In this show, for some reason, I'm not as bothered by it. I I I don't know why that is. It just doesn't. It didn't irk me as much. All right, I'm trying to think of what else from this episode. Micro's not a very good friendly sandwich maker to his friends. <laughs> that that was brought, that was, was Frank. Did you make Frank, me one? Frank was pissed about that sandwich. It was Frank, buddy, it's okay. You're eating. He's like, you're just eating all, tuna fish. All the stuff was in the fridge, Frank. Yeah, you just got to look in the fridge. But that I, kind of, that kind of plays up pays I'm, off later. By the way, I'm your partner, not your mom. Yeah. That'll, that's okay. Frank will return the favor later on. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um. I not. I don't have a whole lot more to say about this episode. This episode is largely focused on trust and um and in our in our relationships between characters. <coughs> and uh, Karen's kind of uh, in the crossfire a little bit of Madani because obviously she knows that Frank's out there and alive, yeah. but Madani doesn't know that. Karen knows that we're feeling it out, but that doesn't really go anywhere later on. Like Karen and Madani's kind of thing dissipates a little yeah. bit. Um, Again, I think that's one of the things that maybe could have trimmed from this episode. Possibly, but we need all but, these, we need yeah. all these, uh, we need all these ex- you, expository scenes where Karen relays how she feels Frank is and yada, yada. So eh, we had that at the, at I, the waterfront. I know. Though, I so. know. All right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want less of Karen. I like Karen. I like her too, but I don't. I, I go back to Daredevil. Let's get let's get let's get Frank rolling here. All right, folks, uh, we're going to cut this one kind of short for obvious reasons. My throat, my voice is about to give out on me. Um, appreciate you stopping by again. If this is your first episode, welcome. We hope he doesn't like, always sound like this. Yeah, I don't always sound like this. I sound much better when we go. We usually go a little bit longer on the the episode, the Punisher episode itself, or whatever show uh, we're doing. Um, so for those of you maybe are joining us from different things we've done, as far as you know, the X Wing sponsorship or uh, 
stuff we've mentioned on Facebook or not. Welcome. Thank you for, for joining us. If you would like to send any questions or comments to the show, you can do so at the following locations. You can find us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Do Podcast.com. That being said, Drew, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, get yourself a lozenge of some kind. <laughs> cherry, <laughs> cherry, honey, lemon, yeah, something more than you can imagine. Optimus Prime. Oh God, I would have waited an eternity for this. It's over, Prime. Yeah, <laughs> I can't top that. I got a good Megatron going. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Got some good welcome going. All right, folks. Thank you very much for stopping by. Court. Yeah.